0: Hi, and welcome to the Overflow Podcast. I'm Chuck Ammons, teaching pastor at Overflow Church in Brandon, Florida, and we are here to help you receive the Father's love and to release it to everyone you encounter everywhere. Wherever you're listening from today, your God adores you. I pray this message elevates and ignites your faith. On this podcast, you will find biblical messages to activate your faith as well as our You Asked For It series, where we address your questions about trusting God's goodness as Father and living out His fullness as beloved sons and daughters. To find out more about Overflow Church, visit us at myoverflowchurch.com or on Facebook at Overflow Church Brandon. We'd also love to encourage you to check out our book, Life in the Overflow, and its accompanying devotional at amazon.com. Uh, grace that some of us have walk in, and if you don't know what I'm talking about, there is a five-fold test on our website you can take to find out what's your greatest um, grace that you walk in as a believer. We have all five based on Ephesians 4, but what's the highest grace that you walk in? And most of the time I find that people that have taken that test and they're like, I'm evangelistic, are kind of like, oh, I'm evangelistic. Oh, why? How, did I, how can I retake this test to make sure that evangelistic is not at the top? Because that means something about me, and I'm not sure what it is, and I don't really want to sign up for anything like knocking on doors and passing out tracks, and that's because evangelism has gotten a real bad rap. And so we're going to demystify this word and what it means um, so that you're proud, those of you who have taken the test four times, you get the same results. You're going to be proud to have that evangelistic grace as the highest. And you're going to understand what it means about you and what it means for the kingdom of God. And so this word evangelist, um, some of us don't even know how, <laughs> we don't always know how to say that. Is it evangelical? It's evangelistic. Evangelistic or um or evangelism, this word means to herald the good news. Now, a messenger would be sent from kingdom to kingdom to talk about the things that were happening in that kingdom. And they would come as messengers, so they would look like messengers, and their feet would run like a messenger, and their lips would pronounce the things of a messenger. They would have a message on their lips, but it wasn't just on their lips. It was in their body. Their very position was to herald the good news about what was happening. And so that is the the place that an evangelist sits, those who walk in a high evangelistic grace. That's the position that they sit in. In both word and deed, they're heralding something about the good news of the kingdom of God. And so... It's the practice of heralding this good news. Now, in modern evangelism, we often prefer empty strategy, employ strategies to guide us rather than implore the Spirit of God to lead us. And that's why this has gotten a bad rap. Because we're not intentional in the way that we go. And so we employ strategies where we haven't followed the Spirit of the Lord into where he's telling us to go, into the territory he's calling us to. And so you get this arbitrary, well... This is an apartment complex. I'll just knock on every door and I'm holy, so I will receive all the rejection that is required as an evangelist. And I will do it boldly and nobly. And so we employ these strategies instead of imploring the Holy Spirit to guide us and lead us. And this is why it's gotten a bad rap. This has caused us to rely on human effort And human effort produces a glory that fades. And I have to tell you, if we build it with our own human hands, we have to sustain it with our own human means. And that is never a good idea. It will break us. And that's what's happened in the church. And so to properly deconstruct our view of evangelism, we need to align ourselves to four truths related to effective evangelism. And so I want to just go through those quickly with you. That we must be spirit-filled. The first one is that we must be spirit-filled, partners with God in ministry. 2 Corinthians 4, 6 through 7 says, For God who said, Let there be light in the darkness, has made this light shine in our hearts so we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. We now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God, not from ourselves. So, I have some vessels here. They're not clay jars. That was not in the budget. So, <laughs> we have these other kind of vessels, okay? Now, what you, wanna, what, what you may want to know is that um, clay jars were used for carrying water, as one means, but they had all sorts of varying sizes of clay jars, Um, In ancient times, they would use it for oil, they would use it for perfume, they would use it to hide treasures. Did you know that the Dead Sea Scrolls that were found in the 1940s were hidden in clay jars? It's like Paul was putting us on a treasure hunt, right? Like 2,000 years ago, he's like, I wrote it in the thing. This is where the Dead Sea Scrolls are. These are where they are. So he's like, I've hidden them in jars of clay. I don't know if it was him, but somebody did. And so they put them in these jars of clay as a way to preserve them. And they would also still, to this day, many nations of the world that don't have access to to clean running water, they'll go down to the river with their clay pots, and they'll pull out the water. This is where we find the Samaritan woman, by the way, with her clay jar. And she's coming to the well where Jesus is. And by the way, she was the first evangelist going into the town to tell and preach the good news and herald the good news of God. But what happened first? She had an encounter with Jesus. She had a spirit-filled encounter with Jesus, who's full of the spirit, told her what she needed to know. And what's interesting about this is she runs into the town and she's like, meet the man who told me everything I'd ever done. And you're like, why is that good? Because he still received her. Because he said, you still have access to this place. So when she steps in and says, he told me and he knew everything I'd ever done. And he still said, I can come drink from him. That'll preach, man. And she knew it. So she went into the town and said, I've had this encounter. I've been filled with this boldness. And now I'm going to declare it everywhere I can. And strategically, the Lord knew where she was going to be. And she went back into her town. She didn't go over there. She went back into her town. And so I have these different vessels of places that we have that represent our capacity, that we have to be filled. We get to receive from the Holy Spirit as a vessel. And some of us have varying measures, varying capacities, but the Bible says in the parable of the talons, that whom much is given, much is required, and also that when you are faithful in little, God will give you more. And so he gives out these talents, these measures, and then he um, allows them to go out and see how they'll use them. And so here's my thought. We have one of these waterfall lights lit up. So if I'm a person with a certain capacity, and let's say God starts me out and I've got this measure, Okay. And I'm like, man, oh, I can't wait, Lord. I feel half full. That's fine, right? And I'm going to just pour myself out to whoever. This is my little garden. I'm going to water where you've sent me, Lord. And here it goes. And then I come over here and say I need a fresh filling. What's happened in the American church is that we've kept our lid on, and we've never poured out what God has given us. We have not found the place that God has said, this is where I've called you to pour out what I've, poured into you you've got to pour it out if you don't and I leave this lid off all the sediment all the debris everything's coming into this place also what happens is after a certain amount of time it no longer has the minerals that it needs it becomes stagnant it becomes tasteless it becomes just not good And that happens a lot of times in the American church. And so what we need is a fresh filling, a fresh outpouring. If you've heard that in the church, you might be like, what are they talking about? It's this. Because we are finite. We have a limited capacity. But God, he's a waterfall. He never runs out. And so we have to take the place that he's called us to go with whatever capacity of vessel he's given us. And we must be filled with his spirit. Because I cannot go any place and pretend that I know what I'm doing without him. My personality, my giftedness, whatever, will only get me so far, and I'm going to be like this. I got nothing. I got nothing. Now you don't like me. Now my talents run out, right? What do I have that's of any value? Nothing without the Spirit of God in me. And this is how he keeps all of the glory for himself, which he is deserving of. Only him alone receives all glory, honor, and power. And so when we pour out like that, we've got to know where he's telling us to go. Now, if we're faithful with this and we keep running back, Lord, I did it again. I released what you gave me. Here I come. He's going to watch that and say, you know what? You've been so faithful with this, but now I'm going to increase your territory. I'm going to give you a bigger vessel, a bigger garden, a bigger place to pour out. I want you to pour more ...of me out to the places that, you need, that I need you to go. And keep pouring, and keep pouring, and keep pouring, and keep pouring. And here's what happens. We get to the end of this vessel. Now, which one's going to take me longer to fill up? This one or this one? This one. That means the greater your capacity in the kingdom of God, the longer you need to sit here. It takes you longer. If you're still going on, an, on a, a place where, you know, my quiet time with the Lord was like 15 minutes that's great. That's good for this. It is not good for this. You're going to get a half full cup every time. You need to sit under the fountain of the Lord until he says, go now, go now. I filled you. I filled you. The thing is too about the woman at the well, she was going in the middle of the day because there was something about what she was facing that was embarrassing to her. Most people, most of the time will come into a place, of getting water in the morning, in the cool of the day, because they can't do anything else in their day without the water. They can't bathe, they can't cook, they can't clean, they can't do anything without the water. And this is where I've learned to sit. Lord, I can't do anything, I cannot do anything in this life without your water first. And so it's the first place you'll find me most days, is with the Lord there. Now, as the Lord increases our capacity, it does take longer and longer. And it's not about that, that he couldn't infill us immediately. He does that by his grace. But we're getting to know him when we sit under his fountain. It's really for our benefit. It's not because he can't pour it out really quickly. He certainly does that all the time. But there is a place of capacity that you're saying, i got to sit under this and be refreshed. I don't know what kind of vessel Billy Graham had, but can you imagine the amount of time that man spent with the Lord to be able to have the capacity that the Lord gave him to reach thousands and millions of people in his lifetime? I think part of it is that the Spirit of God has filled us, but we have not poured out what he's given us, and we keep reserving it as if there's a fountain that ends of him. And there is not. But his invitation is to come back to this place. If you want to make a difference in this world, and we do, this is the place we have to sit. It's the very part of our, missional, our, of our mission statement that we live to receive first, then to release God's love to everyone everywhere. This is about capacity. And there, I'm telling you guys, he wants to increase our capacity. We should not be content with this. To the, to the degree that God has given us vision for the next person. Do you understand what I mean? Like, be content and happy to be here, but Lord, it's not about who I am or what position you give me. It's about the people that you've called me to pour out to. That's what we should not be content about. Lord, there's another one. Do you remember that guy in the movie... Uh, um, Oh, this is a terrible thing I should say right now because I won't remember it. But he was going back, and he was a pacifist in the army, and he, uh, he wanted... There you go. Hacksaw Ridge. And he kept saying, give me one more. Give me one more. Give me one more. Give me one more. And he keeps going back to find the wounded men to bring them to safety, to save their very lives. That is our response as a church. Lord, give me one more. 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 Lord, Come on, right? That's what we want from the Lord. We want him to give us one more, not for our own glory, but for his, because he's called us to it. And he could come down and identify himself to those people, and yet he chooses to partner with us. How great is that? Man, I'm fired up if you didn't know. Um, So let's talk about. Philippians 2.17, where Paul says, I will rejoice even if I lose my life. Pouring it out like a liquid offering to God, just like your faithful service is an offering to God. And I want all of you to share that joy. There is a purpose in your soul, and it was created for this. If you do not release it, you guys. That pit, that anxiety, that feeling that you feel, it's because you haven't poured out what God's given you. And that is what you are designed for. You're designed to release it. You won't have to preach to anybody in heaven. They'll all know. That's the job we get to do here. That's why you're still here. And so if we lose our life doing it, what great joy it is, Paul says. He says it's worth it, even if you lose your life. Titus 3.6 says he generously poured out the Spirit upon us through Jesus Christ, our Savior. So we are to position our lives under the fountain, spending time with him as a partner in ministry. Because that's what we're doing. We're saying, I'm with you in this, Lord. Like, have you ever done a group project? Yeah? Done a group project? Please don't be the guy that doesn't show up prepared. This is our preparation. So God's like, I can do all this. I can, but I've asked you to partner with me. This is a group project. Come ready. Come prepared. Come like I called you. Come like I say you are. This is who you are to me. Be that person. You are loved. You are whole. You are blessed. You have been given all authority, but you need to sit Here, Because the world will take those things away from you. And I need to remind you before you go to the place I've called you to go. Sarah and Ronnie, this was a a great ministry opportunity because the Lord had shared a couple of names with Mickey and I as we prayed to do this scouting mission. And so we invited them to come with us as two of the people that God had said, I'm calling them. And so their yes was a great joy to us because they were hearing from the Lord too, right? And so as we watched what God was doing in them, and we couldn't have known all the things. We just do the next step of obedience. We pour out the next place. Sarah and Ronnie have found themselves to have a heart, a deep desire to be called to the nation of Dominican Republic. These are two deacons. They run a business, they homeschool their children, they're already doing so much. But the Lord has increased their capacity and given them a vision and a heart for the people of the Dominican Republic. Isn't that amazing? The Lord has taken their yes and increased their capacity and said, all right, I'm gonna work this out for you guys. And here's what happens when they say yes. That means that Mickey and I, who had our eyes on Dominican Republic, can now say, we trust you guys. We trust what you're seeing and what you're hearing from the Lord. And we're going to advocate and we're going to champion and we're going to rejoice with you. And we're going to be here to support what God is doing through your work. And now we get to increase territory because you've got your eyes here. We get to see where's the next place the Lord is calling us to go. Do you see how it takes all of us? Yes. And so because they have said yes to increase we can say yes to increase, and we as a church say yes to all of it. Isn't that beautiful? Yes. All right, so the next one is we've got to be spirit-empowered. Spirit-empowered evangelists. So if I take this, remember, we're pouring it out, right? We're pouring this out, and it's just kind of glug, glug, glug. Glug, 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 glug. That's great, but here's what I have to do. I have to know exactly where it's going to go and walk with it. Walk, 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 walk. Here I go, Lord. Doing all my things. Pouring out your water. I'm not going to do that to you guys on the carpet. Don't worry. Okay. Pouring out all my things. Spirit empowered means that there is a set of gifts. And it means that it's um, the, each of these nozzles. It's like putting a nozzle on a hose. A nozzle on one of these things. And I turn it to figure out, Lord, which grace, which gift are you calling me to use In this connection which place are you saying okay you're you're about to meet with somebody they're gonna need a hug from you okay here I go let me get my hug ready right (laughs) they're gonna need some wisdom okay let me get my wisdom ready Um, you're gonna meet with these people and they're gonna need there's gonna be an activation of healing and it's gonna lead them to know me in a powerful way okay got that and I turn my nozzle, engage with the Lord. Now here's the difference. If I just turn it and I don't do anything with it, nothing comes out. It's not connected, so don't worry. But nothing comes out, right? If, I, if I'm connected though, and as soon as I feel the boldness of the Lord, I pressure. the pressure comes with this valve and it releases the things in the atmosphere that God has called it to go to. This is a spirit-empowered approach. That means that there's a boldness released through the gifts of the Holy Spirit that make the, the filling of you come out to the places he's called you to go. Am I more effective with this than I am with this? Yeah. I am much more effective. Have you ever seen kids, though, when they get one of these things right? And you've just planted your garden, and your seeds are all nicely layered in there. There's just a little bit of dirt on them, and they don't know about this nozzle. So it's just on, and then the water turns on, and they just pressure, and then all the seeds go everywhere, right? Can I just say that will probably happen to you once or twice, and it's okay. Because as parents, when that happens in our garden, we go, that's all right. I'm going to clean it up for you, and then I'm going to teach you how to use this nozzle. And then you're going to know how to use it effectively in my kingdom for my names. so those seeds don't get scattered that we just planted. So let me tell you where this is found. In 1 Corinthians twelve four through 11, there are varieties of gift, but the same spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. There are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all to everyone. who apportions to each one individually as he wills. And then Acts 4.29 says, And now, O Lord, hear their threats and give us your servants boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. So it's these gifts, wisdom, healing, miracles, signs, wonders, prophecy, All of these are meant to embolden us. They're activations like this nozzle that when we know the Holy Spirit has sent us, we ask Him, What is it that you've given me, God, to preach your word? How is it that I walk into these places? Each of you has one or more of these gifts. The Holy Spirit has appointed them to you when you were baptized in His name. It is not our own work. In modern evangelism, we have overanalyzed a spirit-filled approach, making us indecisive, and underutilized a spirit-empowered connection, making us ineffective. In modern evangelism, we have overanalyzed a spirit-filled approach, making us indecisive, and underutilized a spirit-empowered connection, making us ineffective. But not anymore. We must do these things. And here's how they work out. And I've got these last two points. And then we're going to be done. We're going to change our either-or mentality to a yes to all four. So there's been two camps that that evangelism has landed. And it's either relational evangelism, which is being elevated right now, or initial contact evangelism. Initial contact evangelism is the one that everybody's afraid of. You're going to make me go door to door and talk about Jesus, and I don't know how to do that. And then relational evangelism, people really elevate um, right now because we, we need that, that long kind of road. Can we say we need both? We need both. 57% of people come to know Jesus through relationship. That means 43% of them don't come that way. And that's a long Road and that's good. The first person that I ever brought to so the Lord was a friend of mine for a long time. And then she and then the Lord gave me a vision, right? That was the, the spirit filling. And then the Lord emboldened me to share my faith with her. And she was led to the Lord, and we've been walking as friends in a deeper way ever since then. She's one of my one of my greatest treasures. So we need both. But we also need this initial contact um, vision. But if we don't have that, and if we don't have the spirit filling and the emboldened, then we don't know what we're doing. And we're knocking on every door that we can get to. Because we ha- and we haven't been effective in it. But we need both because initial contact evangelism you see with Philip in Acts 8.32. Do you remember this story? With Philip, he's, he's, with his, he's in his time with the Lord, hearing from him. All of a sudden, he gets this download and says, Go down to this street down here. An angel of the Lord said, Go south down the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he goes down there. He, he met the treasurer of Ethiopia, a eunuch. The eunuch had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and he was returning. Seated in his carriage, he was reading aloud from the book of the prophet Isaiah. In this very moment, he hears from the Lord. The Holy Spirit said to Philip, Go over and walk along beside the carriage. Okay. Here I go. Not awkward at all. Just walking next to this guy in a carriage. And so he walks walks next to him, and the eunuch had started, gone to Jerusalem to worship, and was now returning. And so the Holy Spirit tells him that Philip ran over, heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah, and Philip asked, Do you understand what you were reading? The man replied, How can I understand unless somebody instructs me? Well, that's great. Here I am, just happened to walk alongside your carriage. I know everything about this book. I met the man who wrote it. So he says, he urged Philip to come into the carriage and sit with him. How easy is that? Would anybody be an evangelist if it were that easy? I'm telling you guys, it's that easy. It is that easy when we are filled and empowered. The passage of scripture had been reading was this. He was led like sheep to the slaughter. I mean, it's like, hey, there he goes. Okay? The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, was the prophet talking about himself or someone else? So beginning with the same scripture, Philip told him about the good news of Jesus. As they rode along, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, there's some water. Why can't I just be baptized now? He's like, Sounds good to me. Why don't we just do it? Let's just take another round around the bases here. So he said, If you believe you with all your heart. And he said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So he ordered the carriage to stop. And they went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, though, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip from where he was and put him someplace else where he was to preach the gospel. If you don't believe in initial contact evangelism being effective, you've missed this story. If God wanted him to stay and disciple Philip, he would have left him there, but the Spirit of the Lord snatched him up and said, I'm going to put you over here so you can be effective again for my kingdom. Talk about capacity, right? These are modern miracles. These are things that the Lord wants to do today. And yet we have not been filled to capacity. We have not been empowered and emboldened in our faith. But that's going to stop today for us, church, because he's given us an assignment. I believe we have not seen a significant move of the gospel because we have not asked for it. The Bible says you do not have because you do not ask. And I believe we haven't asked because we were afraid of what it was going to look like. But now we know that it is spirit-filled. It is spirit-empowered. It is long-standing relationship, and it is initial contact in the grocery store. It's all of them. We say yes and amen to all four. And so I had this word a few months ago. The Lord woke me up and said these two words. Binary fission. I was an English major. I don't know what that means. So, but I knew it was the Lord because I did not know what it means. And I wouldn't have woken up to any kind of day with that in my mind. I knew it was the Lord. And after it, he said this My people are rejecting the multiplication, health, and growth that is part of my natural design for the body to heal itself and grow. And this is a cancer in the body of Christ. If we reject his multiplication, if we reject his spirit filling, if we reject his empowering, if we reject whatever kind of evangelism he calls us to, the church will not grow. And if your body doesn't do what it's intended to do, cancer will grow in your body because it will become stagnant. It will lose the minerals. It will not function the way God has called it to function. We're cutting out the cancer today. The body was designed to reproduce. This body of Christ was designed to reproduce. We were designed to multiply in missional communities. We were designed to replicate ourselves. And so I have these two points of activation. I would love for you to stand with me. There is a place that we have rejected God's call for multiplication. And we got to repent for that. When I heard this word, we shared with the elders, with the staff, and we repented for this word. That it would not be so in our lifetime. That we would see the multiplication of God's kingdom here. So I just invite you to close your eyes here. If I've been talking and you've said, I've been in that camp of not knowing and so I've been afraid to get in the game in evangelism. I've been afraid because I don't know what it's gonna cost me or what it looks like. Or I've relied a lot on what I do know on strategies because that feels um, safer than the mystery of the Holy Spirit, than the mystery of obedience. And the mystery of partnership then there's fear or there's pride in some kind of way that has caused us to reject the multiplication of God's kingdom through us and in us and for us I just believe that God is calling us corporately to repent for that to say father, I don't know what it What it looks like but here i am send me here i am send me and i've heard it said many times send me anywhere but don't send me to africa here's the deal if you got to have a caveat right now he's okay with that just let him grow your capacity in his timing just be faithful with the place that he's called you to right now Just trust him with your life. We're afraid sometimes of the church growing because we're afraid we might get lost. Or we've desired the church to grow so we would be known. But I'm here to tell you in our repentance, we will be a church that is both bold and humble. We will be both bold and humble. We don't want one or the other. We want both. We say yes and to both. Bold and humble church that grows like you, Jesus. And so with your hearts open toward repentance right now, Can you just join me and echo what I say? I lay down what I know. I lay down what I know at your feet. I lay down what I don't know at your feet. And I'll pick up what you tell me. You direct me to the tools I need, the education I need, the gifts I need. And the garden you've called me to here I am Lord send me and I'm sorry for my rejection of your multiplication I repent and I'm ready and we've emptied ourselves of ourselves right and so there's a place the Lord wants us to make a declaration in bold faith We sat here a couple months ago, and I believe the Lord called this church to see 140 faith declarations. We're somewhere right now in the vicinity of 20. But I think strategically, I thought honestly, if I can be honest, (laughs) I was like, okay, Lord, we're going to go to Dominican probably. Probably 60, 70 people probably come to know Jesus. We had four. And here's what he said. You trusted my work more through you than you did in your own house with your own people. Equip them. So I'm going to trust that the Lord has called each and every one of us. There was four of us on that trip and four people came to know Christ that we know of that made active faith declarations. I believe that there's 120 some people in here, 140 that the Lord is calling each of us to find the one this year. The one through initial contact evangelism, through relational evangelism, and saying, here, here you are, I, I got you. I'm gonna lead you to the one. I'm gonna lead you to the one. I'm gonna lead you to the one who knows me. And you've got a name tag on your shirt. And so I'm just gonna direct you here in prayer for just a second. That the Lord may give you a picture of someone that you have never met before. And oh, I pray he does. The Lord may give you a name of somebody you've known your whole life and you think they will never know Jesus. They have rejected him so much. He may give you a name of a child. Someone that he's calling you to lead to him. He's going to put their name on your lips. And right now I'm inviting you, wherever you are, that there's a door that he's opening to that person who's been sitting there wondering, who's going to see me? Who's going to notice that I'm at their doorstep? that I'm knocking, that I wanna know about this Jesus, even if I don't seem like it in my physical state, that my soul is aching and yearning to know Jesus. And you are the one who can open that door for them. So if you open that door, who's on the other side? Who's on the other side that the Lord has called you to go after this year? I don't think he gave an arbitrary number. I don't believe he would do that. I just pray the Lord would give you his eyes to see them right now, to break your heart for them, to let go of any offense. And right now we release evangelistic grace to you to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to have a fresh outpouring of his love over you in Jesus' name. That you would be emboldened by the power of Christ to herald his good news where God has called you to go. I pray for a download right now, Holy Spirit, of the activation that you're calling them to use. That you are an equipped body. You are an equipped body. You are an equipped body more than you realize. Don't be afraid. The Lord has called you.